We want to welcome all of our online audience. And uh, before you get too distracted with my jacket, thinking, what in the world is he wearing? It's going to fit into my message. So give me a little fashion grace for a moment, okay? We want to pick up our series, Power Not Power. Fasten your seatbelts. The last two weeks have been absolutely phenomenal. Pastor Dave kicked it off two weeks ago, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, and it was just a, such a phenomenal foundation to lay for this series. Then last Wednesday night, I don't know what happened to Pastor Brad Baker, but he was not of this world. God and the Holy Ghost took over Pastor Brad, and as he preached on the power of participation, I'll tell you what, it was like camp meeting in here. Let's thank our staff members right now for the life that they pour into these messages and the time of ministry. Now, this is true. I am not making this up. When I was leaving last Wednesday night, there was a buzz in the foyer. And everybody was gathered around one pane of glass. And I went over to see what was happening. And what happened was there was a bird last Wednesday night as Pastor Brad was preaching on the Holy Ghost convinced itself that it was the Holy Ghost and crashed into the window so hard. Go ahead and show this next picture. That's how powerful Pastor Brad was preaching. It was turning pigeons into the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen? So that's a tough act to follow, you guys. That's a real tough to act to follow. So that brings me to tonight. So tonight, go ahead and pull that up, guys. Tonight, I'm dressed like Michael Buffer, and I'm looking for someone to write me a check between $25,000 and $100,000, because every time he says those five words, that's his payday. So you can meet me at the cafe with your check following tonight's service. Amen. But tonight, I've entitled my message, Let's Get Ready to Rumble. And don't I look good in this tuxedo shirt? Woo! I make 59 look good. Amen. I entitled my message, Let's Get Ready to Rumble, because we're going to dive into some things in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, hey, you're going to receive power. Acts chapter 2, there was a sound from heaven. Acts chapter 3, Peter and, Peter and John healed the guy that's there at the gate temple, and they say, silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have I give unto thee. Then in chapter 4, all kinds of things happen. Now, i got to say this. i got to say this. Preparing for this message, I asked the Lord for a double portion. Thinking, okay, that's going to mean a double portion of the anointing. No, what it actually meant is usually I preach with three points. Tonight I have six. So you, 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 you got to be careful, more specific, I guess, what you pray for. Tonight I have six significant takeaways from Acts chapter 4, and I want to move through these quickly, and then I want to have a prayer time here to conclude our service tonight. Number one, sooner or later, when you really get serious about serving God, someone or something will try to arrest you. 
Let me say it again. Sooner or later, when you really get serious about serving God, someone or something will try to arrest you, stop you in your tracks. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, came upon them, being greatly disturbed, that they taught the people and they preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid their hands on them and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Another version says they arrested them. Another version says they seized them. And when they did so, they didn't do it gently. They didn't do it diplomatically. They didn't do it graciously. They did it forcefully. They did it violently. Why? Because they wanted to shut them up and they wanted to shut them down. And it's interesting, it was the exact same religious crowd that had targeted Jesus, that had delivered him up for the crucifixion, and they thought they were over and done with it. Then Jesus is resurrected, he's now caught back up into heaven, and these very same disciples that were following him before basically have replaced him everywhere, and people by the day are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And isn't that always the way sometimes? It's the religious crowd sometimes that really get the most bent out of shape when somebody really gets red hot for God. Why? Because a lot of Christians, sadly, and a lot of churches are perfectly content, if not outrightly complacent, with the status quo. One of the reasons that pulled me from being a senior pastor back here into the groove of, of Dream City Church, and I had some friends out here this week, and I had lunch with one of my really good friends yesterday, and he said, Todd, I just got to tell you, it, on paper, it, that, that doesn't look like a great career move. But I, here's what I told him. I said, Christian, here's what you've got to know after all of these years. I don't want to play it safe. And I just don't want to be, be satisfied with the status quo. And there is a vision here. There is a passion here. There is a purpose here. There is a movement here. I'm a part of it. And you're a part of it. And don't be surprised, you guys. Don't be surprised. The hotter you get for God, the greater the difficulty comes from, not just from within the world, but sometimes from within the church. When Bartimaeus was crying out for vision and they were all there around because Jesus was passing them by and basically when he was crying out basically that he would receive a sight, they said, why don't you just sit down and shut up? Why? Because his vision and his cry for vision made them uncomfortable. But just because people are around you, listen, don't you just kind of settle into the status quo and allow mediocrity kind of to fill your place just because somebody else is content to live there? Hold yourself to a higher standard. Can somebody say amen? Be a pace setter. Don't be a spectator. Don't be a bystander. Don't be a Monday morning quarterback. Get in the game in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So don't be surprised though. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if something or someone tries to arrest you. And why were they trying to erect case? They couldn't figure it out. And this series is called Power Not Power. And that's what was on the religious crowd's mind. It says in Acts 4-7, And when they set them in the midst, they asked them by what 
power and name are you doing this? Because they were checking all of their religious boxes and yet there was something about these guys, there was something about the groups of people that were coming to Christ, not just by the dozens, just not by the hundreds, but by the thousands. This thing had momentum right out of the gate when the Holy Spirit really began to move. And they're like, we don't get it. Well, how, how are you doing this? So that brings me to my second point. The touch of God and time spent in his presence will transcend and confound the ways and the methods and the institutions of man. The Bible says in Acts 4.13, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. And they marveled. They couldn't figure it out. And then they started to connect the dots. They realized they must have been with Jesus. Now let me tell you what. One of the things, one of the calling cards for our church, and I couldn't be more excited that we have Dream City College here. And in my opinion, it's the best kept secret, not only in the city of Phoenix, but in the nation of America. And we need to be ringing the bell. Everyone, we need to be ringing the bell because the training, the education, and the real life experience they get in their internship here is unprecedented and unparalleled. That said, I don't want you to interpret my comments right now that I am anti-higher education and I'm anti-academic. Absolutely not. I don't have a lot of formal education, but I consider myself to be a lifelong student. But I want you to know more than anything else, more than any credentials, more than any degrees, more than any diplomas, there is something that you can only get in the presence of God that man cannot confer upon you. And I know that to be true because, and I don't say this with a sense of false humility, I'm just stating the fact, I am supremely unqualified to be doing what I'm doing in the context of the people that I'm doing it with. That said, the only reason why God continues to bless and promote and give me a platform whatsoever is that I'm not very smart on some things, but I am going to spend some time with my Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus, something, or a better way to put it, someone begins to rub off on you. And you start to hang out with the Holy Spirit. You begin to spend time in his presence. It says in 1 John 2.20 and 2.27, it says it's the anointing of God that will teach you. The anointing, the Holy Spirit will become your private tutor. And we'll teach you all things. I'm not trying to work myself out of a job. Pastor Luke's not trying to work himself out of a job. It is our job to instruct the body of Christ, encourage the body of Christ. At the end of the day, though, let me tell you what. I, I take a back seat to what the Holy Spirit will teach you if you allow him. And if you will spend time, and there will be people saying, I don't get it. He's not qualified. She's not qualified. And it's, it's an old cliche, but God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And if you will begin to be a God chaser, begin to begin to pursue God with a passion, begin to spend time in his presence, God will begin to rub off on you. And you will find yourself in places and God will give you platforms that don't make any sense in the natural. But who said it had to be in the natural? It's going to be because of the supernatural. Can somebody say amen? 
I want people just not saying, man, Pastor Todd, he's read a lot of books. No, 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 I want more than anything else saying, listen, I know that Todd's been in the presence of God again. I can tell, I can tell when he pre, I can tell, I can tell that that guy has been spending some time with his Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Number three, number three, number three, number three. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When they, when they arrested these guys and they, they, they were confounded and they didn't know what was going on and they bring them out and they start to question them a little bit more. The Bible says in Acts 4, 18 through 20, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter said to them, whatever is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. But then, he, then he basically just bottom lined it. He said, but, but for we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and we have heard. And let me tell you, you know, the Bible says in, in, in Revelation chapter 12, it says they overcame him by the word of the lamb and by the blood of, their, by, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to, be, have to be a biblical scholar to tell your story. Why? It's your story. And no one else can tell your story better than you. I can attempt it, somebody else can attempt it, but you are the master storyteller of your story. And we, listen, you may not have seen everything and maybe we will never be caught up to the third heaven the way that Paul was. Be that as it may. If your life has been transformed, if following Jesus has made your life differently, then you have a platform to say, look what the Lord has done. And you gotta tell somebody. You gotta share that with somebody. Don't let the devil try to convince you, say, well, that's just like, just leave that for the preachers. Just leave that for the people that are the public speakers. No, 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 no. Wherever you are, you have a story to tell. This is my story and this is my song and I'm going to tell it. I'm going I'm to talk about it. I'm going to sing it and announce it from the rooftops. Jesus Christ has changed my life. Hasn't been the power of positive thinking. Hasn't because I put a few habits in place. Wasn't because I got my act together. No matter how hard I tried, I, I failed miserably. I was an epic failure. But then Jesus stepped into my life and Jesus came calling. Jesus redeemed me and delivered me and healed me and helped me and strengthened me, transformed me, regenerated me. Jesus is responsible for all that you see. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Number four, that's what friends are for. It says in Acts 4.23, it says, being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And this really kind of links to our series on Sunday that's happening, Nothing Less Than God's Best. And this message this last weekend, the third point was on the friendship covenant. And that is one of the core values of my life. That man, when you have friends, you're friends for life, you're loyal no matter what, come hell or high water. I want my friends to know I'm going to be there for them. And I know that the friends that I have, they're going to be there for me. And we need to have this kind of community and these kinds of connections. When the, that's one of the, it's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why it's vitally important to be in a small group. Whatever that looks like, whatever the way that you want to define it, whatever way that you want to attend it, sometimes it's Bible study, sometimes it's hiking, Camelback Mountain, I don't care. But it's, you gotta, you gotta cultivate community and connection because we're not attended 
to go through this life alone. And we need to have places and people to go to when we need to turn to people and when people need to turn to us. They didn't go to strangers. They didn't go out knocking on any doors. Hey, do you got a warm bed and a roof? No, they went to their companions. They knew that they were gonna find some people that were aligned with their vision, that were aligned with their hopes, their dreams, their calling, their assignment, and more than anything else, their Christ. And those are the kind of companions that we need to have in our lives. Can somebody say amen? amen? You know, this morning, every week, Pastor Luke and Pastor Tommy will share uh, leadership teachings and different things. And sometimes if Pastor Tommy's been away or Pastor Luke has been away preaching the word and stirring up other pastors, they'll come back and they'll report where they've been. And Pastor Barnett uh, was away for the last couple of weeks and a couple of places he had been, he, they were friends of mine. And both of these guys... Both of these guys told Pastor Barnett, Todd's my best friend. And that, that, that touches me. That touches me because I love these guys. They, one lives in Calgary and one lives in New Mexico. And, and for them to share that unsolicited, but it made me realize, it's like, man, I, I, I need to really, really cherish and constantly renew my commitment to these kinds of friendships because they're significant because there's gonna be times when these guys are gonna run to me, but I promise you this, there's gonna be times when I'm gonna need to run to them. I know who my companions are. We need to cultivate that kind of companionship, amen? So number four comes back to my title, and I won't do it again the way that I did it earlier. Let's get ready to rumble. Here's what it says in Acts 4, 24, then in 29 and 30. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord, and they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that we will speak with boldness, they that speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant. Then in Acts 40, 31, it says, and when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together, that it was shaken they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So make no mistake about it. The, the situation and the season they were in, they, they were not conjuring something up. They didn't have an addiction to drama. They were in an intense battle. They were in a real firefight. The struggle was real for them just as the struggle is real for you today. But in the midst of that, what did they do? Did they tuck their tails and run out of town and say, well, you know what, we're not gonna make it here. We're gonna have to go find someplace that's safe, that's somewhere where, where we're accepted, somewhere where, where the preaching of the gospel is, it, 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 people are not gonna get up in arms about it and there's a warm welcome and people are gonna throw down palm trees and it's gonna be great and people are gonna celebrate us. No, they didn't say that. They, did, they didn't run, they raised their voices. And they said, God, we know what we're called to do. And more than that, we know what we're called to be. And here's the reality, God. We know that you're already aware, but we just, we just want to say it out loud. There's threats, there's problems, there's persecution. There's all kinds of things that are coming against us. We're not going anywhere. We're going to take a stand, but here's what we need from you. We need you to embolden us. We need you to empower us so that we can even take a, a, a bolder stand and preach the word with all boldness. Then the Bible says, and this is important, 
especially sometimes in charismatic circles. The Bible says that the place that they were in, they were having a prayer meeting, and man, there was a whole lot of shaking going on. And it was happening. It was God. Again, it wasn't trumped up. It, it wasn't manufactured. It wasn't manipulated for effect. It was God who was doing the shaking. But please understand this. Please understand this. That place that was shaken, that was not the objective. That was the byproduct. That was, that was the window dressing. That was, that was a sign and that was a wonder. And if anything else, it was a confirmation but the goal from the beginning was not to have the prayer meeting shaken. The goal from the beginning was that they would speak the word with boldness. And the only reason I bring that up is that sometimes we can get too easily enamored, if not outrightly distracted, by experiences... And there's nothing wrong with the experience. I pray that God shakes you to your very core in your, in your prayer closet. I pray that God shakes this place to its core and he shows up in that way. But it's not meant to be contained to a prayer meeting. We have an assignment, you guys. And it is to go out into the world and to preach the gospel. And don't get distracted. Don't go on a wild goose chase saying, man, I read this in this book. And man, when I pray today, I hope all the hairs on the back of my neck stand up straight. Listen, if it does or if it doesn't, awesome. But what's the goal and what's the objective? Their goal was, Lord, we're not running. We are going to resist the devil. We're going to take a stand. We're going to send them packing. And we're going to preach with boldness. And by the way, that word boldness just does not mean that you have summoned some inner confident public speaking persona. It is supernatural in nature. It is an ability that you do not have on your own, whether you're gifted for public speaking or not. It has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with the touch of God, the reign of God, the power of God, the presence of God showing up in you, showing up on you, showing up through you and speaking through you. Can somebody say amen? It's not your bill. Hey, when I was 18, I grew up in Canada. When I was 18, I thought it would look good on a resume. I took Dale Carnegie public speaking. Then the very next year, I became the youngest presenter of Dale Carnegie in my entire province at 19. I've been on stage all my life. I'm comfortable and confident on stage. But what I'm talking about is not a confidence in yourself. It's a confidence in God Almighty. That you know you can't, you don't got it. I don't got it. I like it when Joseph was brought in to before Pharaoh and he said, hey, I heard that you're the dude that can interpret some dreams. And Joseph was very quick to say, it's not in me. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with him. And if we're gonna change this world, we gotta get out of the way, stop taking the credit, Stop trying to summon up some inner strength. Listen, we need the strength from on high. Can somebody say amen? Finally, 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 finally. My double portion, so this is point six. Number six. May the force of God be with you. Acts 4.33, it says, and with great power. Remember, power, not power. 
And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And notice this, and great grace was upon them all. And in the commentary of my Spirit-Filled Life Bible, I've gone through three of these Bibles. I've worn them out. I love them. Jack Hayford was a general editor. I've gone over to his school when he was still living, his school of pastoral nurture in Van Nuys for three different, he offered five consultations. I've gone through three of them. And I, I would just sit at the feet, basically. There would be 30 to 45 pastors for a one-week intensive. And man, that guy, it was like drinking water from a fire hydrant. And it just absolutely flooded and filled my soul. And in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, there's a, there's a note there in the Kingdom Dynamics that I read this years ago, and I've never forgotten it. And as I was putting this message, the Lord brought it to my remembrance. By the way, that is one of the beautiful things about the Word of God. When you read it, even if you think you've forgotten it, the Holy Spirit will put, he will, has a way of referencing that and bringing that out of you. you, you you'll surprise yourself that you, where did that come from? Well, the Holy Spirit, when you read it, he began to tuck that away. And he tucked this away in me many years ago, and I was putting this message together this week. And many of the times when we talk about grace, our most common definition would be from Ephesians chapter 2. By grace you have been saved, and not of yourself, not, of, not lest anyone should boast, not of your own works. And it means God's unmerited favor. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. But it also means in this context, and great grace was upon them, it means the operation of God's power. It means in addition to God's favor as it applies to grace in that setting or in that season, in this season, it means the force of God. The force of God. If you read in Zechariah chapter four, and I think Pastor Dave referenced the scripture, I think Pastor Brad referenced it last week. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's uh, Zechariah 4, 6. Did you know what it says in Zechariah 4, 7? It says, in shouts and shouts of grace to the mountain. And they weren't talking about just God's favor. The task that Zerubbabel had to rebuild the things that God was calling him to rebuild. It, there was no humanly way possible. And God said, you got to shout some grace to that. You need my force. You, you just don't need my favor that people are going to be accommodating and they're going to give you some tools and lend you a leaf blower like Pastor Dave had up here a couple of weeks ago. What it means is that when you begin to put your hand to that plow and you begin to take that shovel, listen, my hands are going to be on your hands and you're going to be in, be, begin to dig through some things and do some things that are not of this world because it's just not my favor. It's my force. And Dream City Church, as we go forward, we gotta have the force of God. Yes, we need God's favor. I, I pray for God's favor on my life, on my family, on everything. But sometimes I need more than favor. I need the force of God to show up. And I declare to you tonight, may the force of God be with you. This whole message is about boldness and I close with a story. Five years ago, I was back in Canada and I was preaching at a small little country church that I had a lot of history with. That day I was preaching a message. I took this title from something that Jensen Franklin had said and developed a whole message on it. Pardon the noise, it's the sound of freedom. And I was preaching out of Acts chapter two and I've got a buddy 
that had gone through the Naval Academy and then he went to flight school. And at the time he was on an aircraft carrier on the USS Ronald Reagan in the Sea of Japan. When he graduated from the Naval Academy, he was the number one pilot of the 400 that graduated. When he went to his first aircraft carrier assignment, the captain of the aircraft carrier told his mother, he, he, he doesn't brag at all, this my friend of mine, but his mom told me, said that the commander, his commander, his captain said, in 30 years of running aircraft characters, I've never had a pilot this prepared. He built his own simulator when he was 13 years old. And it was Navy grade. How he did it, I don't know. But when he showed up at the Naval Academy, the most hours anybody had ever had on a simulator were 100 hours. He had 1,600 hours. This guy is going out to be on the Blue Angels. And I hear me now, believe me later, he will be the captain of the Blue Angels. He is that awesome. He's a buddy of mine. Awesome. I was preaching on this. Pardon the noise. It's the sound of freedom. I finished the message, and there was an elderly lady waiting there for me. And I had, knew her, I had known her from when I was younger because this is where my dad grew up. This is where my mom grew up. We would go up there every summer. We had a cottage in the area. And they ran the local store, her and her husband. But now I hadn't been back there in maybe 20 years. And I was preaching in this country church, and after the service, she called me forward. She taught, I want to talk to you. And she's 94 94 years old. Her name was Irma Hamilton. She said, Todd, I want to tell you a story. She said, 87 years ago, when I was seven years old, she said, my dad and your grandfather were working up in the woods of northern New Brunswick, up in a big logging kind of project. It was in the early 1930s. She said, whenever my dad and your grandfather would go away for two weeks or a month to work in the woods, and then they'd come back home for a week, then they would go back into the woods to log. She said, whenever, whenever my dad would go with your grandfather, she said, I always liked it because I got to sleep in my mom's bed. She said, I remember it like it was yesterday. She said, this one night at 3 a.m., she said, we thought there were burglars. We thought somebody was breaking into the house. And she said, we were scared to death. Come to find out. Come to find out. It was my dad and your grandfather. We didn't know what in the world was going on. We unlocked the door. We let them in. And what had happened earlier that night, and they, had, they were hours away. Rugged terrain and everything else. So that night, when they got off their shift of working in the woods, and it was dark and everything else, there was a local revival in this small town. And her father and my grandfather, Matchett, went to this revival. And even though they had grown up Baptist, they got filled with the Holy Ghost that night. They were so torqued. They were so full of God they packed their stuff that night in the middle of the night, drove through these rugged terrains of the backwoods of New Brunswick and went back to Irma's house when she was seven, sleeping in her mother's bed. She said, your grandfather and my dad came in and they sat at the table and she said, for the next three hours, they just talked about the presence of God. She said, I needed to tell you this story. She said, when your grandfather, she said, on Sundays, on Sundays, Todd, 
She said, I would try to get to church early because she said, I wanted to sit somewhere near your grandfather because there was glory on him. He was so full of God. And she said, as you were preaching today, and here you are, his grandson. And I was preaching in the church that he had started. This message is on boldness, and I close with this. This is off this church's website. Let me read this to you. Littleton Pentecostal Church was established in the early part of the 20th century. Two local men, my grandfather and Irma Hamilton's father, heard and received the Pentecostal message while working in Hamilton, New Brunswick. Upon returning home, they began to tell of the good things that God was doing and about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. Their message, look at this, you guys, their message was not very well received in the community. They even lost their jobs. My grandfather lost his job. My dad had nine brothers and sisters. There was 10 children. My grandfather lost his job because he took a stand boldly for the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, reading on. Because they insisted that the baptism of the Holy Ghost was for today. Eventually, they began a church where I was preaching that Sunday. Where people of like faith could worship God. Their beginnings were very humble. Their first building was a log cabin that one could see through the cracks and stories have told of the building, look at this, being pelted with rocks during services as well as other distractions such as covering the chimney to fill the church with smoke. And they were threatened. They lost their employment. They pelted the church with rocks. But that church is still standing. And five years ago, I preached in the church that my grandfather planted. Would you stand to your feet with me tonight? Am I telling you that you're going to be well received and people are just going to embrace you and celebrate you everywhere you go in the name of Jesus? No, but Jesus will celebrate you. The Holy Ghost will back you up. And you know, here we are today, and I'm just as guilty. I'm rarely on Facebook. Listen, I don't even know how to use all that stuff. I know I got to get with the program, whatever. I'm working through it. But heaven forbid if somebody gives you a thumbs down. Oh my gosh, we're being persecuted. Hey, until they start pelting this church with rocks, we don't have a chimney. (laughs) Have you lost your job with 10 kids to support? Because you're taking a stand. Guys, today, listen, we live in this malaise within our nation. And we wonder sometimes, where is this nation that we, we claim so many people, one nation under God? I don't know. But I know this, but as for me and my house... As for me, you know what? It's just not the matching house. This is my house. This is my house. So I'm going to ask you to take back the stanchions, and I'm just going to call everybody forward. 
It doesn't take a lot of boldness to take a step in here, but if you're gonna take a step out there, you're gonna take a step in here. And we're just gonna pray the way that the disciples prayed. God, we're aware of their threats. We're aware of what they're saying. Listen, someday, I I hope it doesn't happen, but someday the government may step in and say, listen, we're taking away your your exemption for for your charitable giving. Do I like having the financial loophole? Yeah, I I love it. But I'm not going to quit giving to God just because the government is trying to step into what God is doing. We think sometimes we're being persecuted because we prayed for a parking spot at the front row at Olive Garden and we get there and we're like, oh! Being persecuted! It's time. It's time. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the boldness that only God can give. It's not a, just pick yourself up by the bootstraps. And I'm all, hey, I'm wired that way. I'm a pick yourself by the bootstraps kind of guy. Come on, Todd, suck it up, buttercup. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something divine, someone divine. We're talking about the supernatural. We're talking about God showing up and speaking up, just not around us, but in us and to us and through us. Would you lift your hands with me all over this place tonight? And just in your own way, just say, God, I want to be used. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You have a story to tell. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a public speaker. You don't have to have your credentials. God will credential you. Holy Spirit, tonight, Lord, I'm convicted by my own preaching because I want to be the man my grandfather was. And God, tonight, even now, Lord, in this last year, I've become a grandfather. Pastor Luke has become a grandfather. I pray, Lord, that we together, for our grandchildren, God, would be those kind of men. And we are. We we're giving it all we got. I pray, oh God, for the bold examples. Not this condescending and judge. No, 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 no. But somebody who is righteous. Somebody who's taken a stand for biblical values and the truth of God. It may not be popular. It may not be politically correct. It it, it may not get a lot of traction in the world and sometimes, sadly, even in the church. But God, we want to hear from you. But Lord, in hearing from you, this is what Peter said. Hey, we can't help but to speak of the things that we've seen and we heard. And maybe there's too much silence because we haven't spent enough time to hear anything and to see anything. But I pray, oh God, open our hearts. Lord, even as Paul prayed to the church in Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. I pray, oh God, let our lives be filled and flooded with the hope of our calling. That we're called to be disciples. We're called to make a difference. We're called, oh God, and Lord, you're going to back us up. The force of God will go before us, around us, and behind us. But it won't be problem free. No, 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 no. There will be challenges along the way. But greater is he that is in thee than he that is in the world. And I thank you, Jesus, it is by our faith that we shall overcome. 
I pray right now for this continued series. I pray right now for your continued move of your spirit, Lord. We do not, we do not take your presence and what you're doing in us and through us and around us here at Dream City for granted. We humbly bow before you and say, God, keep bringing it on, keep bringing it on, keep bringing it on. We're going to continue to raise our voices so that we can preach the word of God with boldness everywhere that we go. I thank you, my heavenly Father. I thank you. I thank you tonight. I was only 10 years old, God, when my grandfather passed away. I really didn't know him. God, tonight, I thank you, Lord, for him. I thank you. Continue to bless our churches and our campuses and all churches across America. Let us be united, I pray. And all God's people said, amen.